and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one authoritative page of Talmud every day. And the question of authority is central to today's pages, Yoma 19 and 20. More specifically, the Talmud wants to know, who does the Kohen Gadol, who does the high priest work for? Does he represent us, the people? Does he represent the rabbis? Does he represent God himself? Here's a taste. It was taught in the Mishnah that the elders said to him, My master, high priest, we are agents of the court and you are our agent and the agent of the court. The Gemara suggests, let us say that this is a conclusive refutation of the opinion of Rav Huna, son of Rav Yehoshua. As Rav Huna, son of Rav Yehoshua, said, these priests who sacrifice the offerings are the agents of the merciful one. They are not agents representing the Jewish people but our agents representing God as he commanded them to perform the service. Proof is cited for this opinion. As if you say they are our agents, is there any matter that we are unable to perform and our agents are able to perform? The role of the agent is to perform a task on behalf of the one who commissioned him. The agent cannot perform a task that the one who commissioned him is unable to perform. Since it is prohibited for Israelites to enter the priest's courtyard and perform these sacrificial rites, clearly the priests are not agents representing the Israelites. The language of the Mishnah in which the court elders address the high priest as their agent apparently contradicts that understanding. The Gemara answers, This is what they say to him. We administer an oath to you according to our understanding and the understanding of the court, cautioning him that he cannot rationalize violating the oath by claiming that he took the oath based on his own interpretation. He is bound by the understanding of the court. The Mishnah does not address the nature of the high priest's agency. OMG, there is so much here to unpack and to do that. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show one of our wisest, teachers, writers, rabbis. Shlomo Zakir, hello to you. Hello, Liel. Great to be back. It is our pleasure. So tell us, who does the Kohen Gadol work for? Who does he represent? Where does he get his sense of agency? Do we have any say in it? And what could this whole intricate, beautiful exchange teach us about the nature of, well, religion? This is really a huge question. And I think there's really a few different levels here. The passage you read gets into the technical legal question of whether the priests are the representatives of the people or of God. And it gets a little bit into that issue, and there are other passages, the Rim 35b discusses it as well, but I think that's really the surface. But what's beneath the surface is several additional questions, both that are relevant to this chapter, this parak of Yoma, about the Yom Kippur service, and really about the nature of religion overall. So I think first it's worth recalling Back on page 9a, the Talmud tells us that in the Second Temple period, the high priests didn't fare so well. It says that uh, there were, in 420 years, there were over 300 high priests, and most of them only uh, made it a year. They died within a year, maybe even through a failed attempt at entering the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. And one thing we see here is this power dynamic, this struggle of sorts between the rabbis and the high priests, as the rabbis are trying to keep them in line, to make sure that the high priest is actually following the law as is proper, is committing to doing that ahead of time. And there's sort of a limit to what you can do to control the high priest. He's the only one, as the Talmud emphasizes here, the high priest is the only one who can go in to the Holy of Holies. And it's so important that he do the ritual properly 
but there's no direct oversight. The best the rabbis can do is give him this warning ahead of time. So there's different ways of reading this. You can see this as some tension between the rabbis and the priesthood. I think that's a bit of an overreading, but at the very least, we see that there's this power dynamic. There's this fight. On the one hand, the high priest controls everything. On the other hand, you may not be up to the task, and the rabbis feel this pressure to try to instruct him properly. And I think that's represented a little bit in this technical legal question of whether the high priest represents God or the people. The question of what say do the people have? What say do the rabbis also representing the people have? So I think that's another level here beneath the surface, the power dynamic. And then another theme here is the question of the intermediary in a religious context, the go-between. We see this obviously here with this idea of, of the high priest, is the priest representing the people or God? Presumably to some degree, he's doing both. But this theme of, of an intermediary is really important throughout religion, including in Jewish tradition, the question of the prophet, the Navi, you have the same exact question. Is the Navi representing the people, or is the Navi representing God? He's the go-between. He's supposed to, in some sense, play the role of representing both sides. So there's a larger question there in terms of the intermediary within religion, which at some level is speaking to maybe the greatest challenge facing theologians, which is what connection can there possibly be between a transcendent God who's somehow beyond the world and our world? How can God affect the world? And often it's this idea of go-between, not always human intermediaries. Sometimes there are uh, you know, philosophical ideas of emanations of God. There are Kabbalistic ideas of spherot. In some religions, there are people who play this role of intermediary in the uh, stronger sense. Judaism rejects that idea, you know, as opposed to Christianity. A person can't straddle the human and divine spheres. We don't deify people, but we still can have the high priest be a representative of God, do God's bidding on earth, even as the priest may also be doing the people's bidding. Even as the Duff reminds us so beautifully and intricately today, the whole notion of agency, as, as you just explained, is, is actually very complicated because we take an agent to be someone who acts on our behalf, doing something that technically we can do, but choose to sort of empower someone else to do for us. And if there is sort of work, holy work, that by definition we can't do, then the whole notion of agency is complicated, right? I mean, that basically kind of puts the whole nature of religious worship in a different and slightly more complicated light. Yeah, it's, it's really an internal tension here, as you're saying. Meaning, on the one hand, the high priest is representing the people of Israel by definition. He's bringing a sacrifice on their behalf. If he couldn't represent them, uh, he wouldn't be doing anything. And yet, only he can do it. Only the high priest can serve in that role. And that, that seems to defy the usual rules of agency. But I think that really gets back to this paradox of sorts of how can anyone serve as an intermediary and bridge that unbridgeable chasm between the physical world and a non-physical transcendent God? And I think the, the priest in this case is cast in that role. But I think this question is one that follows Jewish thought throughout the generations and across many issues. And I think there's another theme here that we might see, which is the question of looking at religious leadership in general. When we think about religious representatives, religious leaders, here at the high priest, but you could say, yes, you could ask the same question about rabbis as well. Who are they really representing? Who's, whose side are they on, so to speak? I think, again, you know, there needs to be a little bit of both. If the priest, all they're doing is representing the people's needs and not bringing something divine to the equation, then to some degree, they're not doing their job fully. And similarly, if all they can do is represent God 
and uh, don't take the human consideration and don't represent the people at all, there's also something missing from their mission. And that, that's this question, this great question of, at the end of the day, who is the high priest representing? Who is any religious leader representing? Certainly taking a little bit from above and from below, so to speak. But at the end of the day, whose side is he on? And that, that tension is represented here in this, uh, in this discussion as well. So, so beautiful. Rabbi Shlomozokia, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you, Leo. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sara Fredman Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon. Okay.